she was kind of asking like, are you okay? And I remember saying to her, um, you know, I just feel like if I go into the emotion of this, I'll never come out. Hmm. Like what I was feeling felt so heavy mm-hmm. that I was just afraid to even to just chip a little piece of the emotion yeah. open. Yeah. And she looked at me and said, you're one of the most resilient people I've ever met. That would never happen. And I just believed her. Hmm. Right. I don't know why she didn't say it in a you know, profound way, you know, but it, I believed her and that gave me permission to go in. Mm-hmm. And that process while I was in helped me stay at a level that I was, I was authentically going through it, but I wasn't getting lost. This is the 40 Lessons Podcast. My name is Todd B. Waldo. Thanks so much for checking out 40 Lessons. We are at episode 51 And for this one, I'm taking all the way back. I'm going back to 93, back to Raleigh, North Carolina, going back to NC State. And I am going to share a conversation with my dear friend. We've been we've been we've been close for a really long time. Radia Rhodes got on the podcast with me. She was at her home up in Maryland. And, uh, you know, so many of us are just spending time at home. Uh, because of all that's happening with the coronavirus. So we were able to sit in our homes and have a conversation, and I'm excited to share that with you. We go back to our time at State, talk about how our career and family life has been since then. A little bit about Radia. She is an alchemist, an activist, an innovator for all things well-being. After two decades of experience leading in small business and in Fortune 100 companies across beauty, health and wellness, and information technology, She's just known for her strategic acumen, her impeccable design, and intuitive ability to connect, lead, and accelerate multi-million dollar results through people and products. She's a dear friend, wonderful person, and I'm excited to share this conversation with you. Stay tuned after because I got to tell you about The Well and the really important work that they're doing for women across this country. So let's get into it. Conversation now with Radia Rhodes, and then after that, I'll tell you about The Well right here on 40 Lessons. Sometimes I get on the podcast and I get to talk to people that have known me for a little bit, but every once in a while, I get to chop it up with somebody who's known me for a minute. Ladies and gentlemen, jumping on the 40 Lessons podcast, where Dyer Rose is in the building. <laughs> he's in the building because he's like on my screen right now in front of me. I see her face. Good morning. Hello. Good morning. Yes, I'm in the building. I, we're in the building. And of course, I'm drinking out of my NC State University, old school NC State. Like this is the old wolf, yes. wolf mug because we go all the way back to Metcalf <laughs> and, and Carol and Bowen and Bowen and the Tri Towers and Jersey and all, all of that. All of that. 95 North, the whole look, nine. Look, look. It is so good <laughs> to see you. You too. Um, I w- it's of course it's April. We are all spending time at home and just trying to live a very different life. So, um, are you guys okay? There's, there's more than one human in your house. <laughs> <laughs> yes, there definitely is. I'm very aware of that. <laughs> um, but you guys kind of, so you're, you guys are in Baltimore, in the Baltimore area. So you're mm-hmm. north of me. Um, you guys okay? You guys trying to figure out how to do this in a much different, different way? Yeah, I know. So thank you for asking. I appreciate it. We are fine. Um, We are really focusing on the schedule 
and not like being rigorous about it, but just trying to understand how each of us operates or or is going to operate, you know, to do the things we need to do. School, of course, the biggest change for us, because both my husband and I worked from home already, Mm -hmm. is having the children here all day long and then having to teach them. (laughs) 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 Wasn't really planning on that. Um, But we figured out some things. We relaxed, you know, expectations around it. It is a global pandemic. So I think we can, you know, if you get a little math, a little science here. You want to do a little slime experiment. It's all good. So we're figuring it out. I think school starts with tele or distance learning next week. So we'll see how that goes. Just every week it's right. Something new. You learn something new. It's a change. Mm-hmm. And so we're just adjusting. How about you? It's very different. I, I think the, so both to run business, um, to be a parent, to be a, a human, to I, I'm finding that I hit the I hit the green button and call people more, <laughs> or I try to get on a you know whether I have, I have an Android so I can't FaceTime, but Duo, Zoom, something, Ooh. right? You know, uh, like I want to see people's faces because I don't see their faces. Mm-hmm. Um, and for the last three weeks, like my human interaction has been so different than what it normally is, and I think this was the first week where I started to feel it. Uh, I'm on a social media break this week, so I'm not consuming Instagram and Twitter and mm-hmm. Facebook uh, just because it was so one way. And and I just, I needed something. If I was going to spend my time on a device, I needed it to be two way. And so I decided just stop watching other people from your couch as they sit on their couch. <laughs> <laughs> Take a break. <laughs> um, my daughter's great. She's, she's bored. She's mm-hmm. absolutely bored. But uh, seventh grader, and so now she's, they're on spring break next week. Mm-hmm. Um, she, she's kind of figured out a little bit of routine. And we'll, we got to get to June, so we'll see. You know, we're, it's just April now, so we'll, we got a long time to figure out how to do it well. Yep, we sure do. That, and that's the attitude I'm taking, which is, you know what? We're going to be here for a minute. We don't mm-hmm. have to get it all right today. You're, you are, I've, I've, this has been true since I've, I've known you. Um, you are really good about creating a plan and then acting on that plan. Mm-hmm. If, if nothing else is, you know, and you didn't have to get a degree in engineering and know how to do that. I think <laughs> that's just who you are. Um, but as a person who I'm sure had a plan for 20, you at least had a direction for your life, for your marriage, for your family, for your business. This is probably not in your plan <laughs> to do what you're doing now. What so if this was not happening, where do you think you would have been headed in 20? Because 19 for some people was just like, you know what? I'm glad 19 is done. Okay, cool. Let's go ahead and roll into 20. Um, what was what was already on the agenda for you for 20? Yeah, so, you know, I'm a little older now than than we were then. <laughs> a little wiser. That means we both are older. Yes, we- it does. It's yeah, both it's of us, good. not it's me good. by myself. Oh, it's all good, though. <laughs> Um, A little wiser. And so I really think about things different. I do love a good plan and I believe in plans. I believe plans are processors, not predictors. That's something I tell people all the time. So when you're creating a plan, it's about the process of thinking through what it is you really want and really trying to see the elements that are important to create that more than it's about predicting and documenting something that's going to happen exactly how it's going to happen. You know, they say God laughs at plans, right? Mm -hmm. So I really look at it from the perspective of when I create a plan, it's about processing. And then I'm just going to live into what happens 
but I'm kind of grounded in what direction I knew I wanted to go in. So for 20, I mean, I've, my plans have been accelerated actually Mm. by this. Um, We were really looking, you know, my businesses evoke life and we focus on basically people elevating their intention and transforming how they operate in their performance so that they can accomplish whatever goals they have. And we were looking at, you know, how do we want to offer this? Where do we want to offer it? Mm -hmm. And, um, when this all happened, the the need for our work heightened in a different way, but mm-hmm. it really heightened, which is people really need to kind of get with themselves about who they are and what they really want and how they're going to live their life in accordance with that. So yeah. it's accelerated for us um, in, that, in that sense. And then from a family perspective, I really wanted my family to grow closer <laughs> this year, <laughs> you know? Um, you know, just like most families, we, you know, everybody's working, you got school, you got sports, all that good stuff. And I wanted the dynamic, my children are 11 and 12. And so they're in that tween, Mm -hmm. you know, and they're starting to form more of a personality and got a little social circle, all that. So I really, I really wanted to make sure that we built connections and relationships with each other that were solid and anchoring and lasting. Mm -hmm. So here we are. You know, and that's exactly what's happening. Yeah. Uh, I, I, I can think about the many times we would sit on the highway and have these very deep conversations and would continue to anytime we would just get together. Mm-hmm. That's, that's kind of where we where we go. Um, I know this, but I want you to unpack it for folks who are listening. You've gotten to the place now where you can be that great problem solving part of you, that part of you that can do really good analysis and come up with a solution. Mm-hmm. You do it to yourself. Like you've learned how to dig in the depths of who you are and understand the root of things to then discover, Oh, that's what I came from. All right. Mm-hmm. But then you do something about it, but you had to discover that and the value of that. Um, what was that journey like to figure out? Yeah, I got to do this. I need to exist as a good human, which means I got to do these things to yeah. experience the world. So it was really a divine experience. So for me, um, one, I had accomplished all the outer goals, at least the ones I had. You know, mm-hmm. like I got the good job, I got the education, I got the husband, I had the kids, nice house, the car, you know, money in the bank. So I had accomplished all the outer goals, but I was miserable. Mm-hmm. I was tired, exhausted. I was um, unhealthy, mm-hmm. uh, stressed out. And I was like, this can't be right. You know, this, I thought that in the pursuit of all these things, that was what was going to make my life quote unquote turn out. Right. I turned out and uh, it didn't. So from that perspective, I had everything. And then I felt like I had nothing at the same time. Mm -hmm. And it put me in a place I was depressed to try to, to your point, figure it out. Mm -hmm. And I went into this problem solving mode. And I always say I was perfectly designed for this, you know, being someone who grew up in a creative family, always wondering why I was not the creative one. You know, my father's a musician and a photographer. My uncle's a chef. My other uncle was a dancer, you know, all this stuff. And, um, but that, that left brain kicked in and was like, listen, we're going to map this out on an Excel spreadsheet. Literally (laughs) we're going to open this up and we're going to plot this line by line, column by column. So um, so that journey for me was a journey of, uh, of self-definition. Uh, it was of looking at 
all the things that I had done and everything that I thought and realizing that it was, it just wasn't the truth and how I lived this whole life inside of that paradigm only to find out that that was not my truth. And, um, and then having to do something about it, my father asked me the question, who are you? And it took me a minute, but I came to this place where I said, I am life changing love. And again, the engineer in me was like, what? (laughs) (laughs) Like, what is that? So I, that's the Excel spreadsheet. Just, I just declared it and defined it. Like I'm a woman whose relationship with my highest power is the most important thing to me. I am a, a passionate partner to my husband. I'm a nurturing mother to my children. Like, and I just defined it and that changed my life. I, I often encourage people to, um, to take care of themselves. Like part of, you know, I end every episode with take care of yourself and take care of each other. But I also encourage people to get help to take care of themselves. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, so that question from your, from your dad as a, is, is a hard question to answer for some of us, mm-hmm. right? Um, you had a, you had something within yourself that helped you process and work through, you know, using the skills you had. Um, who was alongside you to help you in that? Like who was like giving you that encouragement, giving you that accountability, to reframe and give you a whole new paradigm, a whole new framework to exist in. Like who's, who's around you? Like, girl, yeah, you can. And yes, that don't forget, like who's helping you through that process. Yeah. So I think it happened kind of organically. Like one is I had a counselor, so I had a therapist right at that time. And I had to really um, plug in to someone to support my mental health because I was really drowning. Um, And then that process, it was a structure in and of itself. I didn't know it at the time, but Mm. just being willing to sit with what I was feeling and to get it out and sort it out. And then just the way it, I organized it, there was some power in that. And so then I called my friend, Dr. Ronnie, and I said, I think I got something here. Like this, this thing kind of worked. And she's a PhD in math education curriculum development. So we literally sat in my basement and we looked at this spreadsheet and this framework And we just kind of saw, it was almost like, I feel like a beautiful mind. Like you just, (laughs) we just kind of saw like how this thing works, that it took me through that internal process and brought that out with some lack, you know, some level of clarity Mm -hmm. and some hope, and then allowed me to take steps forward one by one to rebuild my life. And, and that we create, that's what we built our business around that process and how we walk people through that. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, you know, there's always family who saw, you know, like, you all right? <laughs> like, no, I'm not all right. <laughs> no, I'm really not. Um, but um, so it's just, it was a matter of, like I said, having help from a counselor, having friends that I know could meet me where I was, mm-hmm. you know, emotionally and intellectually. Mm-hmm. And help me keep perspective. And then the process in and of itself, those things together and my family got me through it. Yeah. And you were, and while this is happening, like you're a fully grown woman, with, mm-hmm. you have all the things. Yeah. So you're doing all this work while also you go to work every day. You got a husband every day. You got kids every day. And you Absolutely. Just, yeah. Uh, I was, uh, my thing used to be, I'm tired. That was my, my phrase. Yeah. I'm tired. Like, don't ask me to do nothing else. 
Mm. You know, I got two kids and and it, the impetus for this to be clear, like I got engaged in September of 2006 mm-hmm. and from September of 2006 to September of 2008. So two years, 24 months, right? I got engaged. I got married. I sold two houses, bought a house, built a house, had two children and changed three assignments in my job in 24 months. It's crazy. Yeah. So it's a lot. It was a whole lot, a whole lot going on. And that's why, I mean, I had to, I had to find a way through it. The only way through is through. And I was afraid. I remember saying to my boss, this is how rough it got. And, you know, I have, I had a great boss, but it wasn't somebody that I would be this kind of vulnerable with just, you know, naturally, but it it just came to me. I was sitting in our office and I had lost all this weight and I was just, you know, I'm tall. Right. And so Mm -hmm. I was just really thin and she was kind of asking, like, are you okay? And I remember saying to her, um, you know, I just feel like if I go into the emotion of this, I'll never come out. Hmm. Like what I was feeling felt so heavy mm-hmm. that I was just afraid to even to just chip a little piece of the emotion yeah. open. Yeah. And she looked at me and said, you're one of the most resilient people I've ever met. That would never happen. And I just believed her. Right. I don't know why she didn't say it in a you know, profound way, you know, but it, I believed her and that gave me permission to go in. Mm-hmm. And that process while I was in helped me stay at a level that I was, I was authentically going through it, but I wasn't getting lost. I would say we dive deep, but we don't dwell or drown deep. Mm. Um, and, and that's what it did for me. It allowed me to go through that emotion in a healthy forward moving way. Yeah. How do you, how do you maintain that now? So now you're on the other side, it's in practice now, like you're living mm-hmm. it, you're doing it. Um, I'm wondering about how you maintain it and then how are you patient with yourself as you maintain it? Yeah. So um, the, the process in and of itself is quarterly. So it's, it's a strategy. It's, you know, I'm a corporate girl, mm-hmm. engineer, like you said. So we do a yearly strategy and then we do corporate, you know, we do quarterly updates to it. So the process itself is literally, it's nine steps. Um, it's a whole process of planning and you do it every quarter. You just redefine yourself based on what you want to experience in life, what things you want to create in your life, what kind of impact you want to have. Mm-hmm. And I faithfully do it. Um, I look forward to it. It's about time for me to do it now. You play a game. We play it. We call it a 90-day game plan. Mm-hmm. And so we play this game every night. It's just a way to live. It's a way of living um, that's transformed everything about how I see things, how I respond to things, what I focus on, what I give my time and energy to and my money to. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's a way of life. Yeah, that's good. That's good. Um, so you were deep into corporate America. Um, mm-hmm. I, I remember we were, we were comparing notes, right? Cause I was at this time I'm, I'm doing software development stuff and you're trying to get products to market. And we were kind of chopping notes back and forth on like project management stuff and process management stuff and all uh-huh. that. And you always won because yours was so much more complicated and international <laughs> and it was all, you would always win. Um, I wonder now, you know, as you're running a business and kind of living, living this life, um, What's the joy of it? Like that, I think for some of us, like if we're engineers, like we just want to solve that problem and fix it and do it. And that just mm-hmm. is life. What's the joy? This is very different work for you now. Like what's the joy in work for you now? What the things you're doing with the book life? Yeah, it is. There's so, so much joy. It's challenging because running a business, sure. be, particularly being a person who was in corporate for 20 years, mm-hmm. um, 
is like, I had to unlearn and it, yeah, it's difficult. But the joy is I do this work because I believe in the power of people being the fullest version and the highest version of who they can be in this world. And I love every moment, every time I see someone discover something new about themselves or their lives, you know, their life Mm -hmm. that they didn't know before that opens up a whole new world that they can live into is like unbelievable. And it happens like that. Like it's an instantaneous thing. Um, And so the joy of just seeing people actualize and realize who they really are, like the limitlessness that we are as, as human beings, Mm -hmm. Um, the creativity, the, the idea that I can think about something in my crazy mind and put that on paper and create, like I'm working on something this week that was just an idea four Mm -hmm. days ago. And now, you know, I'll have a meeting this afternoon that that idea is now literally a plan with five people around it to bring it to life. And it's something that can impact literally millions of people. Yeah. So this is, uh, I I, I had a little bit of a um, little epiphany. Uh, I was at a meeting with a business advisor and it's very similar to the question that your dad asked you. Mm -hmm. Like, why are you doing this? Like, what do you want to do? Yeah. Right. But there's this freedom to create a business to do what you want to do. If I'm going to spend my time doing anything and making money, what what do I want to do? Mm-hmm. Which is not why we went to college. <laughs> no. <laughs> I mean, uh-huh. I got so much love for state and all the things that happened while we were there. Mm-hmm. But that's not why I went. That's not why I was told I had to go. Mm-mm. And in some respect, all the sacrifice that my mom did to get me there was probably not even about that. It's just get get a good job. Yes, that was that was it. Um, so we, I don't, I don't, I don't know where I figured this out. I in the journey from through college after college into professional world, I don't know where I figured out the freedom to just do what I want to do. Right. I don't know how. I don't. You got there too, but I don't know how we got here. To just say, well, yeah, it could be whatever I wanted to be. Yeah. You know what though? That's really good. I'm just, I'm, I'm thinking of what you said. I think what sent me there, I remember this. Um, there were several instances in my career where I had communicated very clearly what I wanted and I was in the game, right? Like I'm in this corporate game. I'm playing the win. I'm doing the work, all the things. And I had communicated very clearly what I wanted. I had nailed all the results. You know what I'm saying? Like I'm just loving it. I remember one of my plant managers used to be like, you're such a rock star, right? And then I would go for the money or the title or the promotion. And it was a reason why it couldn't happen. And the reason why it couldn't happen was because of something someone else who often didn't look like me, Mm -hmm. right? Because of something they needed, whether they had earned it Mm. or not. And there were enough of those situations for me. I remember each of them distinctly that, Literally, I remember making the choice of I'm done. Mm-hmm. What's interesting now that I'm thinking about it, the same the same manager that I had who um, told me that I was the most resilient person, one of the most resilient people, mm-hmm. was the same manager that I sat in to talk about, hey, nailed this year, ready for promotion. Mm-hmm. And she said, well, I need to see you kind of corralling the crazy. I and I remember just hearing that yeah. and just shutting down. Mm. Like, 
So the answer to my promotion at this point is no. Yeah. And the reason you're giving me is really something to the left. Mm-hmm. Like some reason that's just not even like other people would have. Yeah. Anyway. So <laughs> I was just like, mm. and I remember at that moment I was done and there was a, um, probably in a whole nother year or more later, uh, we, a woman came to our site. I'll never forget. And she said, what's up with you and getting promoted? Like, I was like, I ain't worried about that. Like mm. I'm over it. Yeah. You know, I had really checked out and I was going to do my job and what have you. And she was like, no, I, you need to go ahead and do this. And so, you know, I did what she said. Some things ha- happened. I got promoted. But at that point, I was like, I was done. And that was when I knew that things were going to go the way I wanted them to go. Yeah. I was going to stop trying to do what I thought I needed to do for all these things that I wanted to, you know, I thought I wanted to have. Mm-hmm. And it just, it switched up. Yeah. The, um, the first motivation to do something on my own really was to to escape a, a bad place, escape mm-hmm. a bad job, get to something that I thought would be more fulfilling. But the motivation was it wasn't pure. Mm-hmm. Not, there was a lot of it around ego was in there, insecurity was in there, um, greed was all in there. Mm-hmm. That was the drive, a certain persona, like be famous, be this person. This is very different. Like this season, the work of Hugh Helen, the work of trying to consult and be helpful and be resourceful, be a good partner, mm-hmm. so different. And I'm a different human existing in that, right? Yeah. Um, but it does. It feels it feels freer to just be me and try to add value to to people. Uh, and you've got two. I've I've got so. 11, 12, mine's about to, 12 now, we'll be 13 in September. Mm-hmm. Um, we're modeling something very different for our kids than what we saw. So we, we both grew up in Jersey um, and our parents just, they worked. Like mm-hmm. they, they work hard and we see them working hard. We see our other family members working hard. Um, we're modeling something so different for our kids. Uh, how, how, how purposeful and deliberate are you of showing your kids like this? This is what I'm, gonna, I'm putting air quotes now. <laughs> this is what work <laughs> is like. There's work. There's responsibility. There's passion. Like, and I'm I'm creative, artist, performer, all those things. And right. young girl, she's artistic too. So it's like this is what work could be, but it's so different than what. It's not the swing shift, three to eleven, right? Clock clock out life, which was really all my mom really had access to. Mm-hmm. But as you think about like your kids and what they could be, like how how are you being delivered or showing them like this is like this is work. This is what this thing could be. Yeah, super deliberate about it. Um, yeah. You know, I mean, just as even structure. We have a family meeting every Sunday. We um, talk about what? what's working, what's not working, what's good. Stand up on Sunday. <laughs> <laughs> Status check. Everybody good? Exactly. Everybody all right? All right. Let's see. Let's get to let's get to the scorecard. Um, we did have a scorecard at one point. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I will tell you that. Mm-hmm. Um, so so yeah, we put structures in place. Communication is key. We spend a lot of time talking. You know, like explaining what actually is happening and involving you know, the children in, in what we're actually doing. Like I'll ask my daughter, Hey, I need to do a photo shoot for some products. Can you help me, you know, set up some stuff? Um, 
by supporting what they love, you know, and keeping it open. Like my son is somewhere between a zoologist, a gamer, and, you know, like a YouTuber. <laughs> and my daughter is between like a pediatrician and a baker right now. Yeah. That's what they're, they're looking at. And we always say stuff like, okay, you could do both. And, you know, we cite examples, but then on the flip side of that, you know, our work, um, you know, Calvin runs our IT firm. So we have an IT, we have multiple businesses coming out of the house. I'm running Evoke and we, we work a lot. You know what I mean? Like, and I don't mean like, you know, I keep my schedule. I'm very, very um, deliberate about my schedule. So I keep it to about 20 hours a week. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm always reading. I'm always, you know, writing and, and kind of sketching things out, which is work, but it's just what I love to do. Mm-hmm. And so the kids will have to stop me. Like, can we do something fun as a family, you know, mm-hmm. and remind me. So it, it, there's there's a double edge to it that we have to be deliberate about stopping. Like right now, my daughter plays soccer. My son plays football, basketball. They both run track mm-hmm. and none of that's happening, which is yeah. usually a real balancer for our family because we all love sports mm-hmm. and the joy of just watching them play. I was really sitting yesterday and missing seeing them play sports. Um, and so that's not happening. So we're going to have to be more deliberate about that family fun time mm-hmm. because we can get immersed. So it's a double-edged sword. We're very deliberate about it. We listen and make sure everybody communicates that, you know, whether they're getting what they need or not and just involving them and teaching them like this is how we make money that gives us, you know, things we need and the power to choose the things we want. just having conversations with your kids. Oh yeah. Uh, I made a real I made a real decision around dinner time. So, having a working mom, when I got home, like she was already like done. Mm-hmm. Right? Cuz it was cuz I, you know, you would, you know, go to school, practice all the things after school, you know, four somewhere between 4 and 6 you get home. And she's done cuz her day started at 5 o'clock in the morning, so she's yeah. like warm it up, get it done, I'm going to bed. Yep. We didn't sit at the dinner table and talk. And I made a conscious, real deliberate conscious decision. Like, we're going to stop the day. We're going to sit at this table and we're going to talk. We're going to talk about our day, talk about ourselves. And that is that has been our consistent. If nothing else happens, we will stop at the meal and that'll be our place. That's beautiful. Um, And I've tried to keep that, you know, for for the two of us to have those conversations. and you like so I'm I'm these are conversations like our parents did not sit us down. No. <laughs> <laughs> nah. We're gonna talk about stuff at all. Uh how is your is your family watches you operate now? Mm-hmm. Like how did like what do they as they watch you be a mom and kind of flow through the world? Like what are they what are your family dynamics like now? Because you're doing it very different than how we were raised and how we were brought up. 
Yeah, they love it. I mean, it's interesting. My dad was here during um, Christmas holiday, New Year, and he was so moved by the way our family operated. Yeah, I mean, it's probably, it's funny, like internally, just the four of us, we probably have, or even just my husband and I have more conflict about old school and new school where to like, we're, we're in between this, like, yeah, let's talk about it. And then like, I'm the adult, do what I told you to do, you know, <laughs> like <laughs> we, so that is probably where any of that conflict exists. It's just between us trying to figure out what, well, wait a minute. Well, this is what happened to me. Well, maybe that's not good for right now, <laughs> right, right. but my dad came and he, I remember him saying, he said, I'm going to talk to Calvin. He said, because when he grew up, he remembers his relationship with his father and mm-hmm. how, you know, the expression of love was really provision. It was really like, I provide for you. You got a roof over your head. Da, 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 da. And so he had never, and, and that in his life, in my father's life, because provision was such a supposedly manly thing. And, you know, he felt almost you know, deprived of love because of that, he kind of rejected that. And he kind of mm-hmm. lived this, like, I want to say starving artist, but like, I'm not going to be like this person beholden to this job in the system. Mm-hmm. But what he realized in seeing my family and particularly seeing my husband with the, the family was that you could be a strong provider and a loving, compassionate person and mm-hmm. father and husband at the same time. Yeah. Um, and so that was touching for me, but he was, you know, most of my family, all of my family that comes to visit, they really love seeing how, you know, our, our core family operates. That's good. Yeah. Um, We alluded to a little bit of this, but uh, I want to come back to, um, so we're in 20, you said things are accelerated for the business. Like there was some stuff you were like, all right, we're going to do this, but just kind of given where people are, Mm -hmm. you guys have kind of, you've ramped up a little bit and kind of pursuing. So what's, in that acceleration, like what are you guys kind of going after as a vocal life right now and helping people kind of kind of process and plan and kind of get get through and also prepare for a future? Yeah. That's all after this. Cause this is gonna this is going to end at some point. <laughs> <laughs> With this yes, it will. It's the season, the season will end. Yes. Um, but you guys are are have it kind of accelerated where you're offering and what you're doing. Tell me a little bit about what what that looks like for you guys now. Yeah. So it's really about meeting the current need, you know, as you're, you're saying it, like whether it's in corporate where we do a lot of workshops, we do a lot of executive coaching and there is a need for executive leaders to be able to cope in a high stress, highly changing, different environment um, and different relationship with their direct reports. And then the need for their employees to be safe, to cope, you know, so people are trying to be productive in circumstances that are very different. Some people flow right into it. There's really not a big change for them. It's not, it's not hard. And then some people really struggle with it. And so, you know, part of it has been just going back to our clients and going to new clients and saying, Hey, we have something to offer that has people deal with that inner struggle. And then in general, um, we decided we were going to launch a program in May and it was just going to be, you know, something available. We, we, we live in the world of like what's possible and how can you improve self-actualization. But this whole scenario has come up and it's like, no, people are just trying to hang in there, keep their head above water. Mm-hmm. 
And so people need an inner game plan and that's what we call it. Um, and so we're launching this program um, this month in April to start in May, May 2nd, actually called the inner game plan. And it's this process that I was talking about that I went through hmm. and basically we've all got time. So it's a half day session, virtual session where we're going to walk you through the steps to create your own inner game plan. And the, the point here is I told you I had all the outer things. Yeah. And it didn't make me happy. It didn't work. It didn't give me peace. It did not even really bring me real wealth and definitely not health. So we want people to really kind of go in, go within, mm -hmm. use this process to get to the depths and the truth of what it is that they want for themselves, who they are, and how they can show up that's going to be aligned with that and that's going to bring them the actual experience of life and the results in life that they want. Um, help them to cope, help them to have peace and stay centered and be able to really respond to the current times from a place that they want to and not feeling like they're reacting. Um, and so, yeah, we're doing that on May 2nd, uh, the inner game plan. And then we're putting everybody in a Facebook group, basically, and we're just doing like daily check-ins. We have a whole structure that we're going to run to keep people supported, to keep mm -hmm. people accountable, um, to keep people encouraged and motivated to just stay up through these times yeah. and come out on the other side, you know, better and more whole than we were when we started. Have you already factored in just the role of fear from, from two, two thoughts about it, fear of just the unknown of like, how long will this be? And what will this do for my business and all those things? But also there's some fear of being that introspective, mm -hmm. right? Like when you, it, it's, I, I have this discipline of just being quiet, yeah. turning all the things off and just sitting in silence. Um, for some people, that's really scary because now you have to confront what's there. Yeah. So within the inner game plan, have you thought about like how do you how do you work through that fear of the unknown, but also of like digging into yourself and what's really going on with you? Yeah, I, that's an excellent question. That's why it's a process. I'm telling you, I went through that spreadsheet because that was the fear I had. Mm. So as introspective as people see me, you know, as an, and as I've become, mm -hmm. I was afraid. Like I told that boss, I am afraid if I go in, it's just going to break me. <laughs> you know, yeah. like I'm not coming out. That's how I felt. Yeah. Um, and so um, what the number one thing our clients tell us about this work and their experience is that it's the process that makes it different. We're literally going to take you through a step. The first step is tell your truth. It's a simple exercise. It's profoundly designed. It really is like, it's, it's not tricking you, you mm -hmm. know, into it. Um, but it's almost like, it can't be this simple. And the way we facilitate it and the questions we ask and how we, how we hold people through the process mm. allows them to go through it and excavate that truth without being overwhelmed by it yeah. um, and actually being freed up and feeling really relieved about it. And then at the end, becoming powerful in like, oh, I didn't even know that this was holding me back so much. Um, mm -hmm. So it's the process. We the, the fear, that very fear is what actually was a catalyst to this process being the way we go about this work. Yeah. Um, because we are all spending so much time at home, um, I, I know both for folks having to spend time with themselves is challenging, 
um, and whatever other humans are in your house, right? Spending more time with those humans than you may normally normally spend with them. Um, you you and Kevin have been together for a minute, um, and so I know you. I remember you both from your experiences on campus. And <laughs> I was like, she went Kevin, huh? All right. <laughs> um, like, what do you? So, how are you guys finding time? Because you got to care for your marriage too. Like, you yeah. got to. You, you gotta be able to diet, but you gotta care for this relationship too. How do you because you guys work at home, you live at home, like all the how do you guys find space for just each other? And because everybody's there now, and you I don't know where you can yes. go, but <laughs> we, got, we got a nice size home. We still got that big house. <laughs> yeah. But like, like how do you how are you guys trying to just keep it keep building and supporting what you guys have? given this is a much different thing, but what's that, what's that looking like for you guys as, as a married couple? Yeah, it's, um, it's interesting because it's that communication. And I will tell you, we worked from home both before, right. And, but the kids weren't here and we would, I was just saying this to somebody, um, our, here's how our days would go before we would wake up, he would go to the gym. I'd get the kids ready and out to school. He'd come Mm -hmm. back from the gym, but we'd go to our offices and work. Then the kids would come home. So we'd come out and then we would divide and conquer to take them to their respective sports practices. And mm-hmm. then we'd all be back home around 8, 8.30. We'd eat dinner and the kids would go to bed. And then we would be knocked out. That was before. Yeah. Well, now we wake up in the morning, right? And nobody has to get up and move anywhere. Nobody's going to the gym or to school. So we have time in the morning. That's just mm-hmm. private between us. Uh, he works out right here in the house. So I'll usually come downstairs into the the gym, my office, um, and, you know, say what's up or see what he's doing. What is his workout or something like that? We're meeting throughout the day. We kind of have like a, a household huddle at noon around lunch. Yeah. Um, and so we're meeting throughout the day there. There's a lot of things happening business-wise. So we're consulting with each other more regularly mm-hmm. because we're dealing with that. And then um, we got the five o'clock huddle or six o'clock huddle where we come back, everybody clean the kitchen up and start cooking dinner together. Mm. We just had our anniversary was the one March 30th. So we were, you know, 13 years in quarantine. (laughs) 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 But, you know, we got some some lobster and some steak and some salmon. Right. And we just cooked it up together. We watch movies. Of course, we Netflix and chill. You know, once we put the kids to sleep, the kids are going to sleep a little. Well, no, they're probably going to sleep the same time. But it's it's just there's so much less hustle and bustle that we're finding more time to connect um, than we were before. So it's it's a little easier. Ain't nobody going nowhere. Nobody got to be in D.C. or Virginia or Baltimore today. Mm -hmm. You know, so it's working. Do you think some of this will last? Like, do you think there's I've been wondering about people's adoption of technology mm-hmm. like will it in some respects we're almost doing what we thought we would do 20 some years ago mm-hmm. like we've adopted technology in a way because we said yeah it's the internet no one's going to go out no one's going to want to interact face to face with people that thesis was proven wrong right but like, we're using some of this tech in a way that we thought we would i'm wondering if our patterns will be different like could you could you imagine your home life being different when you can go to DC and Baltimore and like get out and do all the things, or will you hold on to a little bit of what you have now? God, I hope we do hold on to some of what comes out of this, right? Because in times of crisis, humanity, great humanity shows. And so Mm. I think we need some more humanity, even just with ourselves, you know, like the compassion 
and the mm-hmm. patience that people are going to need for themselves to be able to adjust, the pa- uh, compassion and patience for others who may be going through different things or just being with other people and having to navigate that. Um, the opportunity, you know, let me tell you, I have partied more in quarantine than I have partied in years between D nice and quest love and Erica Badu. And yeah, listen, I have, I was partying for like two weeks straight. I was like, Radia, <laughs> you got to go to bed before 2 AM. Yeah. Um, so there are some great things that are coming out of it. And I can't imagine we would be the same after such a rat, you know, it was so abrupt. It was like one week you were kind of like, it's so like something's happening. And it was like, stay your ass in the house. Right. Like, yeah. So, um, so I, my prayer is that we take the reconnection to ourselves and each other, um, forward into the future. Mm -hmm. And also this technology, like everything we thought, you know, that joke running meme, that's like, this is another meeting that could have been an email. Like, Mm -hmm. I hope we take some of that too, like lighten up on some stuff and get to the essence and the point of what we're trying to do and, and not how it gets done and how people are doing it. Um, so yeah, I hope we take a, several things into the future. And then I hope that we're able to extend enough humanity and grace to get people through this, you know, health wise, literally, um, economically, you know, as well. Yeah, that's good. That's good. I, I, I do think that, you know, it's going to open up for us the possibility of how, how business can be run. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you really, although it can be hard to have a distributed workforce, there could be some real value in allowing people to be at home more, but still contribute to the, to the things that are, that are happening. Uh, it's also exposed to me, like the real inequity that's just in our communities, right? We have the fortune of having the kind of businesses that can kind of, these can kind of keep going. Right. From my house, I don't have to go to a building mm-hmm. you know, and put on a, a a uniform and do work. Yep. Right. So we we have that we have that freedom, um, but it's highlighted for me like there's real inequity around here. Mm-hmm. Uh, how much of that in a in a I'm in a in and around Baltimore, you know, just kind of knowing its history, knowing some of the challenges that still exist up there. What's been the conversation around your community on? Yeah, this is for some of us like we're okay, but for others. Nah, this is really hard for them. Like, what's been the response of the community around? Because you mentioned like the generosity of people. Like, we've seen that. Mm-hmm. Honey, what's that conversation been like for you guys up there? Yeah, I mean, a lot of it started with the school systems and realizing that there are children who go to school to escape abusive, you know, and and toxic households uh, to eat. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? To at least two meals a day. Um, and to get support and love. And so, you know, of course, there was an immediate response around uh, food availability mm-hmm. and um, and support from that perspective. Um, additionally, there's some creative solutions that I was just hearing about, actually, that Baltimore City has partnered, apparently, with um, PBS to mm. uh, provide some programming for learning and education, um, knowing that all students don't necessarily have access to, um, you know, laptops and and internet and stuff like that. So from my sense, you know, it's been the immediate acknowledgement of just basic needs that are going to be interrupted based on this, the current situation. Um, the outpouring of love to um, medical care, healthcare workers, mm-hmm. you know, has been tremendous and um, sending meals 
and things like that to just try to support. I had a good friend who is a business owner, very successful businesswoman. I shared her Facebook Live. She had um, was diagnosed recently in February with breast cancer and had scheduled surgery just a week ago. And so mm-hmm. when she went in for her surgery, um, she had to go alone. Her husband couldn't go in with her. Um, the last thing she remembered hearing when she was going under on anesthesia was one of the doctors saying the policy just changed to the two of you because there were three in the room. The two of you can't be in here anymore because you don't have masks. And like, you know, imagine being about to go into surgery and hearing like two people about to roll out, you know. Um, so she was just but she was just sharing the nuances of how this thing can affect everybody and things that you don't you wouldn't think of that are happening because of all the chain effect, um, effects. So just people being willing to share information, share their experiences. I've been popping up in my groups live just to say, hey, how y'all doing? Y'all OK? Mm. Um, what's going on? What you need? Here's what's going on with me. Here's what I've done to kind of shift myself forward. Mm-hmm. So. Um, it's just individual people stepping up, government, you know, stepping up and stepping in collaborations happening and partnerships, you know, creative partnerships to try to get us all through this. Yeah. And, and, and yeah, I mean, that's stuff that we absolutely want to continue. Exactly. You know, yeah. um, I, I, you know, like I said before, I, I've been hitting the button on my, a different button on my phone, like to actually call people. Mm-hmm. And I was okay with that. Like I'll check in with folks and send a text and, and that kind of thing. But I think being deliberate about, are you okay? Like for real. Mm-hmm. And if you're not, tell like, let's talk through. Let me see if I can I'm help. here. I'm here. I can yeah. maybe relate to it being hard. Um, but that's not something that should stop because now we can go back to doing all the many, 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 many things that we do. Yeah, I think social media looking, you know, and seeing how people posting the highlights and all that. I mean, there's a lot of assumptions we were operating under about how people were doing and Mm -hmm. how we were doing and showing, you know, how we were showing how we were doing that have all gotten, you know, called back into question right now. Um, And even if it's a text, it's a more earnest text, you Mm -hmm. know, it's a more authentic text. And so, like I said, I mean, I'm partying with D nice. I felt like I was there. You couldn't tell me I wasn't. (laughs) Well, you could not tell me. So, you know, just the, the willingness and the almost forced to be in the experience to be present. Yeah. You know, that wasn't there before. Um, I, I want to see if this resonates with you. Uh, there have been a few moments in my post NC state life that it reminded me of the moments that we had at state. Mm-hmm. And I told people, so it's predominantly white university, but like black life at state was just, it was so good and so rich mm-hmm. and just so connected to each other. Part of that was survival, which is part of that, you know, experience of a black student in a predominantly white university. Uh, so a couple of years ago, I helped put on Africana independent film festival here in Richmond. Knife came up, did a party for nice. us. <laughs> and I was like, yo, this is DC, man. Like, this is, this is what it used to be like. Uh-huh. That, you know. But there's been these little moments of like, I remember this kind of community, this kind of connection, you know. And I think, you know, I not that me watching Instagram live and D nice or ninth or quest or any of these people popping up doing it, mm-hmm. but it had me like, man, what was where have been the places that just reminded me of what it was like to be 18, 19, 20, 21 with your peers 
all struggling the same, trying to fix the same. Like, are there moments that pop up for you to remind you of what that was like for us when we were just struggling together? (laughs) Yeah, it's always music, too. I mean, I was in ninth, ninth, his fast auntie's brunch, let me tell y'all. Like, Uh, the fast auntie's (laughs) brunch was it. Shout out to Ninth Wonder. Um, Yeah, so that was it. Just the music, right? That took takes you right back to that time mm-hmm. where it was like, oh, I remember when this came out. I remember I was in Bowen. I remember it was, you know, you know, when we used to go back to school in August and it was hot on campus still. Right. Right. So it was like summertime still, August, September. Um, no, no AC in the dorm room. Nope. None of that. Mm-mm. The big, big fan. <laughs> Oh my goodness, a good time. Matter of fact, Calvin just had a um a Zoom chat with his chapter brothers um yeah. last weekend. And so, you know, it's all kinds of things like that. Just just connecting to the people that were there and the music that was the soundtrack to mm-hmm. that time of life. Um absolutely, absolutely. Kenya is up here, right? So yeah. we watch each other. We never, she was in Baltimore and I was in Virginia. I'm like texting her, like I'm in Virginia all weekend. She was like, well, I'm in Baltimore all weekend. <laughs> I was like, what? Um, but yeah, it's just, it's a, such a formative time. Yeah. You know, it's, it's in my spirit. Yeah. All day. And I, the music, I think definitely is the thing that sparks it. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I, I do think what's so fortunate about that experience for me um, to still see people, especially people like yourself, who have taken taken that experience at that university and built this life and career that is so good and does so much for them, but does so much for their family, does so much for the community, and to still be connected, to still, even when it's the you know, we happen to show up at homecoming and we're there or like I'm coming through, I'm passing through the city, let's catch right. up. Or it's like, I see you post something like, oh, I remember that. And we kind of catch up on the social, mm-hmm. but like, I see it, I see it and I watch it and I'm like, that's dope. Yeah. He's doing what these folks are doing, but we just have this really great network of people um, that are doing some really cool things and making real difference out yeah. in this community. And that's, you know, just it's it's proud to be a part of that kind of community that's mm-hmm. you know i mean we're all around the world doing this kind of stuff that's right so so it's really dope uh i am grateful for you and you carving out some time from your morning you got morning meeting coming up soon with the family, <laughs> so I um you're doing this and uh what is it the inner game plans coming up yes so gotta check that out evoke life follow you you got a book your book's in here somewhere. I bought your book. Your book's <laughs> thank in you. Um, so the book is here. But just thank you. Just thank you for the time. And I appreciate what you're doing out here in the world. Thank you for inviting me. It's absolutely mutual. All the love. You know, my Jersey fam, the state fam, the I-95 crew. <laughs> and the rental car, however we can get ourselves up that highway. Yeah. Right? It's great to be here. I appreciate you inviting me. And you were like, oh, you want to do? Absolutely. I'm here. What time? You know, so thank you for having me. Thanks again to Radaya for jumping in and sharing some time with me. Check out her her company, Evoke Life, evokelife.com. They're all over the internet, Instagram, Evoke Life and all that. Uh, inner Game Plan, brand new offering for them. So make sure you check that out and see, look, look at that resource and all the other offerings that they have 
with Evoke Life and see how that might be helpful to you. Every episode, you know, I talk to the guests and they help me figure out who should we spotlight, who should we put a focus on. And today we're going to focus on the well. The well is a space that fosters dreams, creates community and provides mentorship, which enables women of color to turn their ideas into economic power and freedom. The well was born from an idea to bring women together with intention. In July of 2019, the founder and chief everything officer, Laura Bacon, took that first leap, establishing an idea into a business. And from that moment on, the momentum of the well has come from taking time and carefully reflecting on each step of building a community organization. You can learn more about the important work they're doing, how to get connected, how to be a part of the community, the well work, thewellwork.org. Go check it out and see how you can be part of that great community. As always, I hope that you are doing your best, especially in these challenging times. As we're enduring this longer and longer, I hope that you are taking care of yourself. And let's make sure that as we're living with the people in our homes, the people we see for when we do get out, let's make sure we're taking care of each other. Calling, texting, FaceTime, Zoom, Duo, whatever, write a letter, yell out the window, just, just take care of each other, check on each other and make sure that the folks you're connected to, the folks that you know, are doing well. We got something special for you next week. So we'll be back next Tuesday right here on 40 Lessons.